a listener production. Hello, Cassandra. Hi, Michael. I haven't seen you since the photo shoot. No, it's been a while. It's been five months, actually. we are, another episode of Listen Able and Dylan and I, I mean, maybe for the first time, are fangirling about our next guest because we have been obsessed with watching this television show. Of course, Love on the Spectrum is back on ABC and of course you can watch it uh, on free demand as well. And of course, we've got two of the biggest stars, Cassandra and Michael. Hello. 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 Michael, I'll start with you. How do you go walking down the street now, mate? You are a star. Sometimes I get recognised and sometimes I simply don't. But whenever people stop and recognise me, it doesn't bother me really because it's for me it's flattering. Michael, you have three goals in your <clears throat> life. Can you tell us what those goals are? Is to find a wife. Another one is to become wealthy. And another is to become a voice actor. Voice oh, actor. we'll get into that. You, you do have a beautiful voice, I must say. People like my voice Thanks. as well because it's a bit deep like yours, but I think yours is better than mine, that's for sure. Um, Cassandra, you're obviously new to the show this year. How's your experience been now that it's finally on TV? Has your life changed at all? Um, it hasn't changed, not really, but um, all my students keep being like really excited and sending me pictures of me on their televisions. <laughs> so that's the cutest thing. So for you, Cassandra, um, one of the things that – you struggle with with autism from watching uh, season two is being that people don't see. It's it, it's an invisible disability, if you'd like. Do you think that this TV show is helping open up people's perceptions and ideas of autism? Absolutely. Um, I got a few messages on my Instagram from other high-functioning female autistics saying that they were really happy that they were being represented. We are the minority. We are the less diagnosed gender. So I really think it's good that the whole world is seeing that it's not just boys who can have it, but also girls, and that it comes in such a massive like variety of... It's as unique as a fingerprint. Michael, for people that don't know what autism is, because we have a lot of people who are able-bodied who listen to this podcast who don't know much about disability, they want to learn. What Can you explain what autism is? Autism is a, um, it's a neurological disability. It affects people with autism with their, you know, their social skills and their learning and developing skills. But they just learn things a different way. So for you um, both, uh, love has been something that has been a big difficulty with having autism. Um, when did you discover that your love lives were going to be different? I'll start with you, Cassandra. Definitely in high school, I was always told by like my psychologist and the adults in my life that I was mentally quite um, educated, but very immature for my physical age. And I didn't get into the kind of wanting to date things until much later than my peers. What about you, Michael? How did, how did you go growing up with your disability? Firstly, I actually have Asperger's. It's actually a milder form of autism. Oh, cool. Okay, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. Yeah, I do. So it's a, for people that don't know, it's a, it's a spectrum, isn't it? So there's different varies yeah. of, of of levels of, of how you're affected by autism or Asperger's or, or, or whatever exactly. it is. 
what what about you growing up in, in in school and things like that? How did how did you go? In high school, I um most of the time I felt ignored and overlooked, almost like a ghost. I didn't have one set group of friends. I was just basically floating from one group to the next. How did that make you feel? Let's put it this way. I disliked it a lot. These days, I feel I no longer feel invisible. I feel like that people are wanting to pay attention to me. And it just makes me feel great. I feel really quite blessed that um, if you think back to, say, 20 years ago, back when we were all children, I don't think any of us would have heard about autism or Asperger's. Um, and getting any help back then was extremely difficult. Nowadays, because we're creating such an awareness, it's helping the next generation. I feel really blessed to be part of it because they won't have to deal with some of the struggles I had to. Hopefully, one day it'll just be like maybe like a scan machine or something that goes, okay, you're going to need this help, this help, this help, and you move on with your life and that's it, rather than it being such a drastic change in your life. For you guys in the dating world, which is obviously what this TV show is about, how were you approached um, by the production company that they knew that you were struggling um, to find the loves of your life? How did it come to be that you two in particular were on this television show? Two years ago, back in 2019, when Northern Pictures was looking for any potential candidates on the spectrum, they, I think they contacted various employment agencies. I'm with one of them in Wollongong. I, I've been with them for many years now. Um, Northern Pictures contacted Appwork Australia and asked for any potential candidates, and they recommended me. It was a good choice, I must say. Mm -hmm. Cassandra, did you watch season one and then apply to go on the show, or did someone find you? Back in 2019, they kind of did also like a social media, like, would you like to be on the show? And my mum found it and put my name down. Mm. And of course, I didn't get into season one. But when they were coming up with season two, they called us and were like, are you still interested? So, yeah. One of the kind of the topics around uh, your storyline in the TV show, Cassandra, is uh, you your struggle with being what, you know, some people might call aesthetically beautiful. And of course you are but struggling with the idea that people don't see your autism and so you're struggling with this complexity of the physical uh, and your disability. Can you take us through a little bit of your difficulty with that? So my entire life, um, it's been rather difficult to make friends, um, keep co-workers, that kind of thing, unless I was ex like extremely verbal about exactly what's happening like I have to pretty much introduce myself as autistic otherwise people kind of completely misinterpret who I am my friends from high school were with me as I grew up and was going through social training they've seen the biggest change and from back then to now I still have to kind of explain things over the like over too much like, um, I tell people I talk way too much. If I talk too much, just tell me to stop. That's not rude to me. Also, if I go extremely quiet, it's got nothing to do with like my mood. It's just, I might be having 
like a slight overwhelmness of the social situation that I'm in. Um, so I have to explain situations like that before they happen um, because people look at me and they go, oh, she's pretty, she's normal. And it's like, no, mm. the wiring up there is a little bit different. <laughs> Well, that's the hard thing about non-physical disabilities. You know, I'm in a wheelchair. It's pretty obvious that I'm in a wheelchair. It, it, people aren't mistaken, and I can see why that's a problem. Um, Michael, I got to ask my man. You got to give me some tips. You look. You have skills when it comes to dating. What do you think is like some advice to be the perfect male uh, on a on a date? Well, firstly, do romantic, gentlemanly gestures. You know, pull out the chair for the for your date. Give her flowers. Chocolates is optional. Um, <laughs> open the open the door of the of the place for her, and offer to pay for her. Uh, Michael, where did this chivalry come from? What did you learn to be a gentleman? Open a door, yeah. be a gentleman, but also, you know, as people can see, you you know, you bring a gift of a corsage and want to go ballroom dancing with your partner on a date. Where did you learn these, you know, dating techniques? There was only one person that ever taught me to be a gentleman, and that's my dad. My dad is the most important man in my life, and he's he's passed a lot of his wisdom on to me for many years. And um, I've always been drawn to to ballroom dancing because it's traditional, it's old fashioned. Because like my dad, I'm old fashioned as well. We call ourselves old souls, mm. which is why I, I often say. You can't teach an old soul new tricks. And I got to say about your your parents, Michael. Your mum is a bit of a superstar in this series as well, isn't she? Are she you, is. Yeah. Are you proud of her? Mm. Yeah, I am. Really grateful to have her as a mother. Wouldn't want anybody else for a mother. I can tell on her face when you go on a date. She's she's pretty happy. When you get home from your dates, tell me how she acts. What does she do? She acts. With excitement, she asked me questions about how it went and all that. Okay, and do you, are you honest with your mum? Because sometimes <laughs> I would come back from a date, and let's say I'd kissed the girl on the date, I still wouldn't tell my mum that. Would you uh, feel open to telling your mum all the details? Yes, I would be honest with with her, but I would also, um, if I was to kiss the girl on on a first date, I would tell her that with hesitation. Mm. Um, but you did have a conversation with your family around the dinner table about you have a, a, a younger brother and you were saying that coitus is something that he might be more interested than you. Um, would you have those conversations with your parents? What's coitus? Um, making love. I see. I don't even know if I'd have that kind of conversation okay. with someone. So you've yeah. got, you draw the line. I'm not talking about having <laughs> sexy times with my mum. Oh, I'm asking. Well, Michael's very honest with his mum. He's got an interesting relationship. I was just curious. What about yeah. you, Gus? Do you? I wouldn't have that conversation <laughs> with my mum, no. <laughs> Cassandra, for you, now that you're, you know, on the television, you're in this space, are you finding that you're learning more about love? I've still kind of struggle with it, obviously, but I find that a lot of my friends have been able to, like, message me since the episode aired and kind of give me their own critique. Hmm. Um, one friend, she's adorable, um, was saying that she was so emotionally worried for me when I was having a panic attack because she'd only ever seen me as this, like, suave, very cool person. Hmm. And I'm just sitting here going, who have you met? That's not <laughs> me. But 
but yeah, it's helped because people have been giving me feedback now. What do you say to people that say people on the spectrum have to date people on the spectrum? That's like saying people with blue eyes have to date people with blue eyes. That's just ridiculous. If I wasn't to tell people that I'm different, they wouldn't apply that to me. So the fact that I am different, it's ridiculous that they would even try. For people who maybe haven't watched the television show because they might be listening to this in the well into the future, a year, two years, ten years from now, of course you can go back and watch it on iView. Um, and Netflix, yeah? Are you guys on Netflix? Not yet, but when the season finishes. Oh, oh but season that. one was on there. Michael, I saw your face on Netflix everywhere. Really? Yes. Yeah. You're a superstar global. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Would you guys... If, if, and I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but would you guys be open to dating somebody who is a fan of the show? Um, I would be open to it, but um, if this person was some kind of obsessed fan, that's a, a big warning signal. <laughs> what does an obsessed fan look like, Michael? An obsessed fan would go to extreme lengths about something. You know, constant messages, letters, gifts unwanted gifts and stalking. Mm. And plus, I'm not really into material gifts that much. Cassandra, for you, let's say somebody comes into your Instagram DMs, <laughs> you know, because of the TV show, they're, you know, a bit more aware of autism and, and, and some of the social, you know, barriers that you're working through. Would you be open to dating somebody like that? Um, I would be open to talking them, but I find dating somebody I don't know at least a little bit to be very intimidating. Mm. Um so I'd want to at least like create a friendship before I'd try to date anyone. Um, and, of course, they have to pass the mum test. Oh, jeez. Big test. Yeah, that, that is a big test. Have you – how did um, your dates go, Michael, when they met your mum in the past? Prior to Love on the Spectrum, I didn't have any dates. True. Mm-hmm. But um, only, only one met my parents. Was your mum warm and welcoming or was she a bit nervous and protective? How about we just wait wait and find out on oh, the other episodes of this cool that's show? That's a very good point, Michael. Very good, Michael. I like Didn't it. Didn't want to give away too much. I, I, was, I was trying my best to get a little bit of detail out of you. <laughs> you're a, you guys are seasoned professionals that's now, right. so it didn't work. Very good. What about with um, with discovering who you guys are? Um, you know, we all learn as we go and age, of course, helps define us and wisdom, et cetera. But have you found that it's been fast-tracked a little bit by being on this show and having different experiences than you would? Have you found, Cassandra, I'll start with you, that you're developing differently within yourself and finding a new person that you like or love? So ever since my diagnosis back in grade seven, long time ago now, hmm. um, I actually would meet up with my psychologist every six to eight weeks and have social training. So I have a very in-depth awareness of who I am from years of pretty much self-critiquing. But it is eye-opening to see how different I am from an outside point of view. Mm -hmm. Watching myself on the TV screen was the weirdest thing I've done yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't realize I nod so much. (laughs) I just, I nod all the time. It's like, why do I do that? So the show has opened my eyes to a few things, yeah. What about for you, Michael? Have you learned something new about yourself since being on Love on the Spectrum? Well, one of the biggest highlights was being Dawn Wells. Okay. Can you explain who Dawn Wells is? 
for those who don't know, Dawn Wells was an actress on Gilligan's Island, oh. which has been one of my longtime favourites. I know Dawn Wells. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yep. God rest her soul. And the um, virus of all things. Yeah, coronavirus. Um, so obviously that that was an opportunity that you had because of the television <coughs> show. Is that what you're saying? On one day I went on, it was at the Supernova, which is a comic convention. Mm-hmm. I looked into it and found that Dawn Wells was going to be there. So that cemented my decision that I needed to go. Mm-hmm. I do remember that particular episode where you, um, you know, you went with your prospective partner to that and it didn't work out for you in that relationship, but um, great that there was some sort of, you know, good news coming out of that, a photo with Dawn. Yeah. Michael, you did reference at the start about voice acting. Can you kind of tell us the work that you want to get into? Voiceovers mm-hmm. and also possibly te- television acting as oh, well. Okay. Well, on the voice stuff, um, I did watch the episode in this, this season of Love on the Spectrum. You did a Scooby-Doo impersonation. Yeah, I did. How was that watching that back? It was a little bit cringe-worthy. Okay. Did you feel like your performance (laughs) wasn't that great or was it the wrong place to maybe show off that skill? The only person who can do do it better than me is Don Messick. God rest his soul. (laughs) The original. The original? So you're the second best in the world, you reckon? I wouldn't say second best. Um, You said it. You did. (laughs) Not exactly second best. I'm more like a... Probably, um, I can't think of top the word. Ten. Top 10 at least, top I would 10. say. Yeah. Give us, Maybe. Give us a demo. What kind of, so you want to do like voiceover like in ads or like acting as like characters? Anima- animation. 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 So if I said like, you know, if you were to voice the listenable podcast intro, that wouldn't really be or you'd be interested in, it'd be more like anime and stuff like that. Actually, um, any kind of voice voice acting would I'm happy with, whether it's that in animation or podcasts or commercials or even as a narrator or right. a documentary. This or is something. your trial. Here's right. the audition. <clears throat> we want I want you to say, Welcome to Listenable with Dylan and Angus. Here's your next episode. Welcome to Listenable with Dylan and Angus. Here's the next episode. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Hang on, we've got to ask our producer, Beth, who's yeah. outside. Beth, have we got any budget to, to – we might, we might have to get a budget mu- for you, Michael. Michael, how much are you charging? How much how, how much do you cost? Uh, I don't know. Work it out with your agent. I don't even have an agent. What? You don't have an agent? You two <laughs> yes, are – Yes, I know. Are you serious? Of course I'm serious. If I, I, I know I need an agent. What about for you, Cassandra? Are, are you looking to do some sort of work within the industry now that you've got, you know, a, an upcoming profile? So I've been a dance teacher for the last 11 years, but I've also been trying to get into um, acting on TV, film, and theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been able to get a few jobs here and there, but <clears throat> auditions are always difficult. Can I ask you guys in the acting world how you feel when able-bodied actors portray autistic characters? It's trial-by-trial basis. It really depends on the actor and how much they're willing to put of their personal time into researching and understanding us. I, I just say let them let them be actors because they don't necessarily have to be stuck to that kind of role. They can play any kind, kind of role just as long as they put in the, the effort into giving an authentic performance. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I think autistic actors don't always have to play an autistic role. Yeah. 
on your disability autism, um, we had an incredible guest. Her name was Prue Stevenson in one of our earlier episodes, and she was able to kind of talk to us about um, what autism means to her. There's a few things, of course, that I took away from it, but one was that there are some sort of um, triggers for her of stuff that she can't have around her. And her example is Dyson hand dryers. So at airports, public bathrooms, she'll always check to see if there's a, because the sound itself yeah. is, is too much for her. Do you guys have, that is a trigger for your autistic self, Michael? Not necessarily, but there's one thing that, that makes me feel pretty scared. Spiders. Okay. Large, hairy spiders. Right. You know what? That has got nothing to do with your disability or mine, I think, because I hate that stuff too, my man. In fact, I can't even bring myself to look at a photo of Aragog from Harry Potter on Google because- <laughs> Is that the big whenever, spider? That's the big spider. Oh, yeah. I hate that as it's, well. It scares me. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it gives me the- ugh. I mean, Hagrid's the real person who should be at fault for that, for raising that spider on the grounds. Um, <laughs> Cassandra, for you, is there something like a Dyson hand dryer or a big hairy spider that, you know, is hard for you to kind of work through? So I have tactile and audial triggers. Right. I cannot stand the texture of suede. Wow. It, that's a weird, I haven't heard that one before. I feel like I'm going to be sick. It's the worst. Wow. And also sudden loud noises, like cars backfiring, mm. instant panic. Like, I'll be hiding in a corner in seconds. <laughs> yeah, so can you take us through that emotion? What happens when you get that startled moment? What Can, can you take us through the process? I can try. Hmm. Um, this will probably make more sense to the older kids and generation. Hmm. The old TVs that used to have, like, you touch the screen, it would be staticky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Imagine that all over your body. Right. But, like, ten times worse. <laughs> Sometimes it's quite painful. It's like every single nerve has just jumped to attention but in a different direction. It's um, really quite difficult to explain. No, I think you did a great job for yeah. sure. What do you say to people that say people who are neurodiverse or on the spectrum can't do things as good as able-bodied people? I disagree with that because literally anybody can do those things. For example, literally anybody can go to university, have kids, get a job, buy a place and get married. Literally anybody can do those things. When people say that you can't, because they do all the time, <coughs> happens to me as well with my disability, how do you feel? It makes me irritated. It's because it's no fun missing out on things. And I think that's why the show is so powerful because, you know, even I'm, as someone who's disabled, he's learning a lot about people on the spectrum because, you know, the best way to learn is through lived experience. You know what I mean? So I don't have that yep. lived experience. So watching that with, 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 with you two is so awesome because I'm learning as well. Cass, what about you when people say things like that um, to you? My instant response is watch me. Right. <laughs> Challenge accepted. But it's like saying that the guy who did a Bachelor of Engineering can never do a painting. Again, it's just this kind of stereotyping that some people have that if you have A, you can't do B, where so many people have proved otherwise. Yes, I can't talk to strangers very well, but once I know you, I'm an amazing friend, I've been told. Can I do something with you both? I, I've got an article in front of me. It's from Men's Health, and it's the uh. nine ways to pick up a girl. 
I want to go through these nine ways with you and I want to find out what you think about their advice on how to get the fairer sex. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Right. The first one is look into her, her eyes. Uh, how do you both feel? Um, because some people with autism, you know, from what I've learned, can find eye contact um, quite confronting, scary or difficult to do. Um, so it might be different for you. How do you guys feel about eye contact? We'll start with you, Michael. Um. I don't find con eye contact scary or confronting. Um, I do find it a little bit difficult at times, but but above all, it's actually comforting as well. Cassandra, for you, what, what eye contact, the strong eye contact with a partner, is that important? Everything in moderation. Sure. So don't stare them down, of course. <laughs> yeah. But I guess... A lot of people think like the eyes are the gateway to the soul or whatever. Mm. So I think us autistics people just see a bit too deep into the soul. So sometimes you just need to take a break. Hmm. But um, yeah, everything in moderation. Also, if you don't feel comfortable looking at people in the eyes, who cares? You know what I mean? It's if people struggle with it, as some people do, disability or not. You know what I mean? It's not the be all and end all. So if it's something that you don't like doing, don't stress too much about it. Oh yeah, definitely. Give and take a compliment. Do you find that you are always complimenting the ladies in your life, Michael, on a date? Yes, I often find myself doing that. What do you find complimentary about a woman? What You mean worth complimenting? Yeah, what do you look for? It can be various things, whether what, what she's wearing, if she's wearing glasses and her eyes, her hair, the style, the colour, and if she has nice, if her teeth look nice or even... um. Wearing something nice on, on her lips. Mm. What's the best Whether compliment you've ever given, Michael? Honestly, I actually don't really have a best compliment to give to a woman because anything about a woman is beautiful. Oh, come on. This is my philosophy on women's beauty. There are many things in this world that highlight the, fa the, hi highlight the features of a woman's exterior. Clothes, fashion, hair, makeup, jewellery. Shoes, glasses, cosmetics, and her and her eyes and her lips. Those are the things that highlight the features of a woman's exterior. None of those things matter. If a man seeks true beauty in a woman, the only place he'll find it is in her heart, because her heart possesses a true beauty. Good stuff. Let me write that one down with your able-bodied or disabled. Hey, that is one of the great answers. I need a pen. I'm writing all this Fantastic. down. Right? I'm going home to my girlfriend but, with these tips. But per, but for me personally, mm. I actually personally prefer older women. Older women? Why That's interesting. That? Why older women? It's because they're more mature. How old is too old? What's the what's the top age? She she can only be older than me by at least four years maximum. Okay. okay. So, so my mum's single. She's 66 years old. That's maybe a little bit out of your age. I'm considerably younger than that. Okay, well, just 40 just years younger. Now. So I mean, 40 years is not, is not on. Be my stepdad, Michael. You no. could be Angus's dad. Uh, I don't see that happen. Okay, <laughs> no worries. Sorry, Annie. Uh, and what about for you, Cassandra, on the same thing, um, when we talk about compliments, <coughs> do you find it hard to take a compliment or are you quite open to a, on a date getting a compliment? Or giving um, it? If I think about two different events in my life, it's actually quite funny because – Yes, you've got to give and accept a compliment, but you've also got to accept that they, the other person might accept it. 
I once was complimented and, you know, did the bashful, like, oh, no, you're too sweet, too kind. And they were like, how dare you, like, d- deny, like, my affection. Oh. Where another time I was like, yes, I am gorgeous. I am feeling this <clears> outfit. And they were like, wow, you are really vain. And I was like, what do you want? You can't me? win. You can't win. Fair enough. Yeah. So, yes, compliments are good. Accepting a compliment is good. But also let the other person choose how they respond to it. Yeah, and be accepting and open of that. This next one, I'm really excited to find out how you both feel. It says, after a date, make sure you call within three days. Michael, how do you feel about the timeline of three days? And when do you think is a good time to call them back if you've had a good date? Or do you call them back if you haven't had a good date to say that you want to remain friends? Um, I would probably call her the night after. Okay. Okay, 24, 24 hours. hours. Yeah. What if it's a bad date? Do you call them up and say, hey, I don't want to see you again? Or do you just, what they call, ghost someone? I I wouldn't ghost the person. I would still call them the, the day after. Okay. Answer. And for you, Cassandra, what about you? Three days? Is that too long? Any? What's your sort of timeline? I have a difficulty in keeping track of time. Hmm. Uh, yesterday is the same in my brain to three months ago, okay. three years ago. Right. When I say the other day, I could be talking about when I was 16. <laughs> so for me, time is not terribly important. It's more an indication of how excited you are. So if they're excited to talk to you and excited to keep interacting with you, whether they want to be friends or a continued date, it's – like the sooner they message, it's kind of like, oh, they're still into me. And the longer it goes, the more you forget, mm-hmm. the more distance it gets. Two days for me. Two days for Dill. Okay. Got to keep them, treat them, what do you say that saying? Treat them and keep them keen. I say that, Michael. Uh, I have a girlfriend now. I went on our first date. How long do you reckon it took me to text her after? Two days? Nah, about 10 minutes. I was very keen. Oh. I didn't, look at, yeah, yeah I, I, I tried to act cool. But I couldn't. I was like, mm. that was the best date ever. It was so good to see you. I, I couldn't hold myself. And the last one yeah. from Men's Health. How do you guys take it if somebody was to ask you to come inside or for you to come inside for maybe sharing a coffee after a date in their own home or your home? So after the first date, probably wouldn't go inside for coffee. Well, once you get to know them, like if you're already friends or maybe after the third date, then... Yeah, I think that would be kind of cool. I would ask. I would ask the woman to come inside if she wants to have coffee. Um, depending on how well the date goes, and if my heart is telling me to. Nice. If you want to keep it going. What I about if she that. thought that coffee meant a kiss and not a coffee? A coffee was what we call a euphemism. I'm not sure. Tough circumstance. No one drinks coffee at night. I'd be sus. Yeah. If, if, Someone if, at if night they're asking said, for a coffee at nine o'clock, <laughs> that's sus. They're probably looking for a kiss. No, yeah. I'm not getting, See. I'm not mm. getting coffee. There's now. a little tip from us to you, Michael. Um, Thanks. Before we go, uh, I've got to ask, Cassandra, do you have a social media that you want publicly out there where people can follow you? Because we couldn't find you on the gram. Um, it's because I use the name gluten-free jellyfish. We'll make sure we put that with our post so people can follow you. But this is something that I need to bring up. Uh, we need to talk about your Instagram name, Michael. It's at Mr. underscore A underscore plus underscore Michael. Have you graded yourself as an A plus person? Or did someone give that to you? Actually, my 
my mother started calling me Mr. A plus when it came out and I decided to use that as an alternate name. Do you think you are A plus? Indeed I do. (laughs) (laughs) And what about in dating? What are you in dating world? How are you? Give yourself a grade. Still, still an A plus. <laughs> yes, that's my a man. That's a silly, silly confidence is silly important. Questions. We just got a couple more questions before we uh, before we finish. So we do this thing called a bowl of uncomfortable. It's where we are. People ask questions. They send them in, and uh, they ask for an honest answer about something that they wouldn't feel comfortable telling you. It is from a lady called Sandra. She's on the spectrum, and she says, "I hate this show." I don't think this show actually represents my life and I feel like maybe it's scripted. What do you say to that? All I can say is it's not going to be everyone's favourite show because you can't like everything. And for those who don't enjoy or, or like the show, that's their loss. Do you think it's a realistic version of what it's like to live on the spectrum, the show? I think that the show is trying to... um raise awareness for autism and also show people that that people on the spectrum are capable of feeling love just like everybody else and that they and that they want to find love as well because after all who doesn't i'm definitely happy with how i was represented um the film crew are always really accommodating the amount of times i embarrassed myself in front of them it's <laughs> definitely not scripted um, <laughs> But they're really understanding and if you say, like, I'm not comfortable with that part being shown, they take that into account. But I also think the show's not for autistic people. Like, we know what it's like to be us. It's more of an education for people who are neurotypical or of a different brain chemistry to understand us. Mm. So, of course, we're not going to be able to represent the entire spectrum. Um there's thousands and thousands of diagnoses that come together in thousands of different combinations. No, we can't represent everyone, but it's enough to give, I guess, neurotypicals an idea, or at least a glimpse into what it's like to be us. Great answer. I'll ask you both this as well. We have a lot of parents with autistic kids who listen to this podcast and they might not have come to terms with that yet. We also have people on the spectrum who listen who might not love themselves because they are different. What's your advice to those people that are listening? Being different is is not necessarily a bad thing. It can be a, a good thing, actually, because as I was told, God loves uniqueness because we can't all be uniform because if we're all uniform, how is that even special? Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as normal because I don't even know what normal means. If you're... Wanting to be normal and just normal, you're pretty much wasting your own time. So if you believe you're different, embrace it, accept it, but in your, at your own pace. Great advice. You just be you because everyone else is taken. Mm-hmm. Bill Buckley, you'll like that shout out. Cassandra? One in 400 billion. That's the chance of you existing. For the universe coming together and making you. The fact that you are autistic or your child is autistic should have nothing against that type of miracle. There can be nothing wrong with you. You are a miracle to exist, to 
breathe, to think, to learn, to know. And you cannot be weird or different without being unique. And you are one in 400 billion. That's very true. Great words from both of you guys. And thank you so much for this episode and and for um, telling us about yourselves beyond what we know from the television screen. It's been great learnings to get a bit deeper on Michael and Cassandra. And I say this with the most amount of love and intent. I truly hope to not see either of you on season three. Hopefully find that love. <laughs> love on the spectrum. We're hoping Hopefully. it ends for you both. Uh, Michael and Cassandra, thanks for coming on Listenable. Thank you. I've got one last piece of advice for the audience. Oh, hit us up. Yes. yes, please. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That is why it is called the present. What a way to finish. And Michael, can you send us an invoice? Oh, because yes. Because you are now our new voice actor intro guy, all right? Get get your agent. Who's what? your agent? Your he mum? He hasn't got one. Yeah, your mum. Who's doing I, it? I don't you? have one. Hmm. You, you got you to gotta get it, mate, because you're well, Maybe you it. can take us out with thank you very much for listening to this episode of Listenable. Thank you very much for for your time for listening to this episode of Listenable. Listenable was presented by Dylan Alcott and Angus O'Loughlin. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Produced by Beth Gibson. We also hire people with disability, including Stephen Tower, who does our captions for YouTube. And our awesome theme song is made by Eliza Hull. Listener.